Dublading, and welcome to From Where We Are, <laughs> stories of news and culture through the lens of USC and Southern California. I'm Stefan Delagordia coming to you live from Studio V in USC's Annenberg Media Center. And I'm Justin Hio. It's March 2nd on today's show, how other countries with NATO goals are reacting to the Russia-Ukraine war. A vigil on campus brings students together in support for Ukraine the initiative to create a healthier Los Angeles, and a conversation with the newly elected USG president. Today we've got a special show, so be ready to stay a little longer with us than usual. All that and more from where we are. But first, these news headlines from Blair Batson. On the seventh day of Russia's invasion of Ukraine, Russian state media reported that Russian troops had captured the city of Kherson. The Ukrainian Ministry of Defense denies this, saying that they still control some parts of the city. Kherson is strategically significant for the Russians, as it would allow them to gain control over Ukraine's southern coastline and move west toward the city of Odessa. Russian forces have also intensified their attacks on other strategic Ukrainian cities, including Kharkiv, Mariupol, and the capital Kiev. The death toll in Australia rose to 13 after days of heavy rains and the worst flooding the country has experienced in decades. The severe weather has been moving from Queensland to New South Wales. On Wednesday night, tens of thousands of residents in Sydney were ordered to evacuate their homes as extreme flooding entered the city. After winning their party's gubernatorial nominations on Tuesday, current Texas governor, Republican Greg Abbott, and Democratic challenger Beto O'Rourke will face each other in the November 8th general election. Those were some of today's top news headlines. For Annenberg Media, I'm Blair Batson. As the war in Ukraine unfolds, Russia's actions could turn our current understanding of geopolitics upside down. Our lovely producer, Wilco Martinez-Cachero, has the story. NATO is central to understanding Russia's invasion of Ukraine because if Ukraine joined NATO, it would receive backing from the alliance's security umbrella. This is what Article 5 of NATO's founding document entails. Lauren Speranza, the director of the Transatlantic Defense and Security Program at the Center for European Policy Analysis, explains. That basically signals that an attack against one is an attack against all. And if you are a member of NATO, essentially the full force of the United States and all of our European allies are behind you. And I think we've seen the importance of that so far. Uh, Speranza is concerned that a poor precedent in Ukraine, which is still not a NATO country, could mean Vladimir Putin is seeking similar incursions in other countries with contested territories. You know, there is no Article 5 guarantee, for instance, in Ukraine or in Georgia or Moldova, where uh, Putin has tried these kind of limited incursion tactics before. In 2008, Russia moved troops into Georgia, also to support two breakaway territories. However, Russia's objective in Georgia was very different to its current one in Ukraine. Here's Ian Kelly, the United States ambassador to Georgia from 2015 to 2018. The uh, war goals were uh, simply to carve out the, the two regions. What's going on in Ukraine, it is, I think it's very unlikely that uh, Russia will pull back and, you know, simply carve out the, uh, the the two regions. Despite that, Georgia now has a relationship with Russia that has many concerned. They actually turned away a Ukrainian airplane that was coming to pick up Georgian volunteers to go fight in uh, in Ukraine. So uh, there is there's quite a bit of concern in people who follow Georgia about uh, this 
uh, appeasement policy, basically turning away from the West. Other neighboring countries with NATO aspirations who have maintained solid or neutral relationships with Russia are also keeping a close eye on Ukraine. This includes Finland, which shares an 800-mile-long border with Russia. Marko Kangaspuro, the research director of the Finnish Center for Russian and East European Studies, shares what the feeling in Finland is right now. Last survey showed that first time in history, first time in our history, a little bit more than 50 percent in favor of joining to NATO. This is, of course, directly result of Russia's attack Ukraine. The Russian foreign ministry recently warned that Finland, as well as Sweden, would face quote-unquote serious military political consequences if they join NATO. Kangaspuro weighs in. It's really not new, but uh, what is new is, of course, the situation in Ukraine, war in Ukraine, and which makes uh, this statement more pressing and more, more dark. Earlier this week, Finland and Sweden announced they would provide military aid to Ukraine, breaking their policy of not getting involved in global conflicts. For Annenberg Media, I'm Wilco Martinez-Cachero. The fog of war in Ukraine is also being felt in the USC community. Students came together last night for a vigil in support of each other and in support of Ukraine. Daishlin Satcher has more. With the recent devastating news coming out of Ukraine over the past week, the Department of Slavic Languages hosted a vigil to provide a place of comfort for students to feel supported through this time of need. Last night, students gathered at the University Religious Center Courtyard to comfort one another. This evening, we honor the people of Ukraine who have displayed extraordinary courage and resilience in the face of unspeakable atrocities and horrors. We honor the children of Ukraine, 16 of whom died yesterday as a result of civilian bombings. However, there are other heroes and heroines to consider. And we honor the Russian people who march in the streets for peace at great personal risk, and the Russian soldiers who refuse to fight and kill their brothers and sisters in Ukraine. The beauty of USC's interfaith community was on full display last night, from members of the Halal Center and Christian Fellowship organizations, even to Hindu students who offered prayers. May we go from ignorance to truth. May we go from darkness to light. May we go from death to immortality. And may all beings find peace. Om Shanti, Shanti, Shanti. As a Russian-Ukrainian, first-year environmental studies major, Valerie Katrich has her own thoughts on the war, and it might be simpler than you think. How do I feel about this war? I will answer this question with another question. Why should my identity affect my opinion about the conflict between Russia and Ukraine? Currently, Ukraine is under attack by the Russian government. Whose side I'm on does not matter. I am against war. Senior Associate Dean of the Office of Religious Life, Reverend Jim Burklow, sees the current conflict in Ukraine from a broader perspective. What we see in Ukraine is an attack against democracy in Ukraine. And a threat to democracy anywhere is a threat to democracy everywhere. And the world is suffering from an assault against democracy in a much less dramatic form that's happening right here in this country. 
do we have the courage of the Ukrainian people to stand up for democracy in this country? Valerie Katrich feels that this is a chance for all of us to learn from history. World War I was once known as the Great War or the war to end all wars. When will this vicious cycle end? When will humans realize that we are all made of the same flesh and bones? These are the times in which humanity is tested. And as the vigil proved, these are also the times in which people come together. For Annenberg Media, I'm Dajlan Satcher. I'm Stefan Delaguardia. We're glad you're with us for From Where We Are. And I'm Justin Hio. It's nine minutes past the hour. Coming up, President Biden's State of the Union address and a more walkable and bikeable L.A. Stay with us. I like that. President Joe Biden delivered his first State of the Union address Tuesday night. Here's Sahil Karoop the main takeaways. President Biden began his first State of the Union speech in support of the Ukrainian government and people, deeming Russian President Vladimir Putin's plans to divide NATO unsuccessful. He announced that the United States would ban Russian airlines from American airspace, just as Canada and Europe did Sunday. Putin is now isolated from the world more than he has ever been. Together, along with our allies, we are right now enforcing powerful economic sanctions. With levels of inflation continuously rising, Biden reassured struggling American families that he understands the difficulties they face on a daily basis. He talked about ways his administration will reduce the cost of living, pressures in the current economy. The economy grew at a rate of 5.7 last year, the strongest growth rate in 40 years. And the first step in bringing fundamental change to our economy that hasn't worked for working people in this nation for too long. Biden received the biggest applause of the night when he said that dismantling the police was not in the cards for his administration. We should all agree the answer is not to defund the police. It's to fund the police. Fund them. Fund them. Fund them with resources and training. Resources and training they need to protect our communities. Bob Shroom, the director of the Center for the Political Future at USC, believes Biden's refusal to defund the police was a way for him to please both Democrats and Republicans. According to 538's latest polling, Biden has just a 41.5% approval rating. According to Shroom, this is exactly why the president smartly catered to both parties. It wasn't complacent. It didn't say everything is fine. Uh, but it said, here's what we want to do about the problems that we have. We've made progress, but it's not enough. We have to do more. Shroom believes Biden used the address as a way to talk directly and plainly to the American people about the crises on the horizon. He says it was a good attempt to motivate a population that has been decimated by the COVID-19 pandemic over the last two years. So what he did was basically put the law and order fear together with the police reform concern. Uh, Will that satisfy everybody? Will it satisfy the people who want to defund the police? No, but I think it was exactly the right thing to do. Biden hopes that his State of the Union address can change the lackluster perception of his presidency and give new life to his administration. For Annenberg Media, I'm Sahil Karob. 
Healthy Streets LA initiative seeks to cut down air pollution, but before it can do so, it needs to get on the ballot. AC Schick has the story. You might not smoke cigarettes, but living in LA is doing the same thing to your body. The organization, Streets for All, found that residents smoke the equivalent of four cigarettes a day just by breathing. This is one of the reasons they want Healthy Streets LA to make it to the ballot. This initiative would create a safer and greener city by improving public transportation, environmental standards, and protecting cyclists and pedestrians. While freshman NGOs and social change major Chanel Williams doesn't smoke, she was surprised to hear just how bad the air quality is in L.A. I wouldn't equate it to that. Like, I wouldn't think about it in that way. So it's pretty interesting, yeah. Michael Lagos also doesn't smoke. He is a freshman architecture major and agrees L.A. needs to have more ways to travel around the city. There's a lot of places in Los Angeles that need more developments like that for accessibility purposes. Williams agrees with Lagos, but wants to make sure changes are made with traffic in mind. If it's going to, like, cut off too much... um like street space that could create more traffic and we already have like a big traffic problem here. Currently, out of the 3,137 miles in the mobility plan, only 95 have been implemented. The organization Streets for All was founded by Michael Schneider who wants to speed up the process. 3% of those improvements have been implemented in seven years. So that's a rate that it would take about 200 years for the city to fully implement their own plan. The measure needs 93,000 signatures or eight city council votes to get on the ballot. Schneider sees Healthy Streets LA as more than a way to improve accessibility and air quality. It's an issue of life and death. If you look at the city's high injury network, which is the 6% of streets that make up the majority of injuries and deaths in the city, the majority are in South LA, East LA, downtown, and Central LA. And so if we want to... Uh, do a service to people in those communities, stopping them from dying in the street just by trying to bike or cross the street as a pedestrian would be a great first step. It feels impossible to imagine Los Angeles without terrible traffic and pollution. But the Healthy Streets LA ballot measure believes it can make the impossible a reality. Until then, don't forget to look both ways when crossing the street. For Annenberg Media, I'm AC Schick. listening to From Where We Are. Coming up is an interview with newly elected USG president, Hannah Woodworth. You can continue listening on our YouTube live stream. That's Annenberg Radio News on YouTube. The full version will also be available on uscannenbergmedia.com. Yesterday, the USG president was announced, and Stefan, you actually got to speak with her yesterday. Yeah, it was a it was a really good conversation. Yeah, well, (laughs) either way, but yeah, it was a good conversation. I'm really looking forward to seeing what she has in store for the undergraduates, and uh, I think they're in good hands with her. All right, well, let's take a look. How much did it mean for you to win? It meant a lot. The campaign was a lot, um, and a flurry of emotions. So I'm really excited that. It ended with the news that we wanted to hear, and now we can get to work. What are you guys going to do that may be different from elected 
uh, governing bodies of the past at USC. A big reason why Nivea and I decided to run was to promote greater USG transparency. And I know that's something that candidates say every single year on the campaign trail. We want to go meet with different RSOs to gauge the needs and concerns in concerns of specific USC student communities. Um, we have a lot of plans and we're really excited that now the campaign is over so we can really focus on all of our like priorities. Did you take any inspiration from student governing bodies from other institutions or other universities? One of my closest friends from high school is actually the student body president at Cornell and she is one of the big inspirations for why I decided to run. She has been a big guiding force in sort of helping me define my values and goals in this position and also try and figure out what's feasible because their student government, their, it's called their student assembly, is very, is mirrored mirrors ours in a lot of ways. First order of business on a micro level, what is it? I think the first priority should always be listening to students. And we have not done enough listening in USG in years past. Um, and because we need to seek it out, USG needs to be the proactive body that goes to students, goes to underrepresented, marginalized student communities, and says, how can we help you? Instead of relying on these student groups to come to us. So first, first order of business, talking to these organizations and saying, what do you want to see so we can put it at the top of our agenda? And that's what we're going to do. What is your ultimate hope in terms of the impact you two will have on the student body and uh, for the future? We want to create a culture in which people who are both in USG are excited about being in USG and want to spend their time in the office and want to commit themselves to this work because it has a purpose. So both internally, but also externally, we want students to know what USG is and understand our power. So our student government actually has one of the largest budgets of any student government in the country. We have a $2.5 million budget. We have so much power there, but why is it that our greater USC community doesn't know this and doesn't know how they can benefit from this funding? That would be my goal, is to create a USG and that our entire community knows is productive and helpful to making their USC experience better. And that's all we have time for on today's From Where We Are. This show was produced by Paulina Cherizova, Wilco Martinez-Cachero, and Meredith McCabe. Meredith, shout out to your mom on her birthday. Happy birthday. Paulina Cherizova is our technical operator, and Derek Renfro composed our theme music. It's also Ash Wednesday. Ash Wednesday. We are also streaming live on KXSC. Follow KXSC at kxsc.org slash listen. And on YouTube at Annenberg Radio News. Subscribe to From Where We Are on Apple Podcasts. And if you're looking for more news, be sure to download Annie, Annenberg's news app. And follow us on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram at Annenberg Media. I'm Stefan Delagordia. And I'm Justin Heo. From all of us at Annenberg Radio, wherever you are, we hope you'll join us again for From, From Where, Where We Are. Yako you, Dobranich.